welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, it's Jessica. How's everybody doing? It is episode 170 of the podcast, and I am so glad that you're here. We have an incredible guest today. Her name is Angela Olson. I originally found her on social media. I don't even remember how I stumbled upon her, but it's one of those things where I started seeing things from her feed, and I started trying to piece it together, but I couldn't really get a full grasp of her story. So I reached out and said, hey, can you just tell me, why do you live in Africa? What are you doing over there? It looks like you're doing amazing things. Tell me more. And she was so kind to get back to me. She Instagrams at the Mango Memoirs, and her family lives in Kenya. Her husband works for a large mission hospital over there. They have two children, one of whom has Down syndrome, and she is working a lot over there to encourage other people with special needs and provide resources and teach classes and overall just kind of overhaul the stigma that special needs and especially Down syndrome have in that area. She's doing incredible work. I can't even tell you. So we're actually speaking via FaceTime from my home in California to her home in Kenya, just about four hours outside of Nairobi. Incredible. Technology is baffling, and I love that we can connect with women all over the world who can encourage us. So let's get to it with Angela. I know you're going to love her story. All right. I'm really excited to be chatting with Angela Olson today. Hi, Angela. Hello. How's it Thank going? you so much for having me. Well, I'm just thrilled. I just can't even believe the internet connection went through, and I'm having less sound issues with you than I am people in my own state. So this is, oh this my is pretty goodness. good. <laughs> Great, because internet doesn't always work here. I I feel like this is just meant to be. I can't wait. Well, Angela, for people that may not know you, I've only known you just for about two months now. I think I've been following you, and I don't. I've just been so intrigued by your story. And so when you wrote back and we're excited to be on the show, I just was super pumped for today. So will you just give a little background on yourself and kind of what brought you to this point today? Yeah. um, So. Uh, our family recently moved to Kenya, East Africa, and it was the culmination of years and years of waiting and working and dreaming, um, and it's something that I wanted to do since I was really, really little, and I just felt like God called me to it, and um, so I went to college, I became a teacher, and then I just waited for the right time to be able to come do this, and uh, 10 years after meeting my husband and um, having it be our goal for all of those years that we were together, we finally made it here with our two kids. Incredible. And did he share that vision of wanting to live internationally? He did. That's so, lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I didn't date a ton in college because I was very specific about I want to find someone who wants to go do missions with me. And I took a year and a half off during college to go to Honduras and teach. Um, I was single at the time and just very free, and I loved it. And it really solidified God's 
God's calling for me. Um, I taught in a high school and I, I loved it. I loved learning a new culture and new language. Um, but I really felt like God was saying the next time you go back to the mission field, it'll be with your husband. Except I had, I wasn't dating anybody. I didn't know anybody. Um, I didn't really even know any guys who were interested in doing international missions work. Um, so I just waited and um, had a lot of big adventures in the meantime. And then um, right toward the end of my, it was right before the my last year of college, I, um, I had gone down to Honduras again, and I came back, and right after that, my pastor kind of told me, I've got somebody um, I want you to meet, and oh, that was my now husband. No. So, was it yeah. like love at first sight, or did um, it take a little while? It was intrigue at first sight. Okay, that's a good word. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, yeah, he was a couple of years older than I was, um, and he had he had moved to. So we're from Minnesota, um, and we he had just moved to Duluth, where I was doing my undergrad, um, to apply for medical school. And so he was there, he was volunteering at church, and sometime, somehow our paths hadn't crossed yet. And so he, um, my, my pastor wanted me to write a drama and um, find some people to be in it, but when I told him the specific people I wanted to be in it, like the roles, he said, oh, oh I've, I've got just the guy for this part. I'll contact him. I'll make sure he's there. And... Yeah, that's how I met my Pete. Oh so, my gosh. And my husband's yeah. name is Pete, too. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> we love Pete's, oh, yes. It's, yes, it's great. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And sometimes I hear from people saying, you know, they dated somebody, it was really promising, but it's like they met at the wrong time, or it was too soon, or they yeah. needed to find themselves and stuff. And so it's really cool to hear stories of people that are really true to themselves with you know, doing the things that they really felt compelled and called to do, really trusting that when the time was right, you were going to meet somebody. It was be the right person yeah. to partner with in this life. And your goals were very much aligned. It didn't take a lot of yeah. stress and strain to kind of get on the same page with that. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It, yeah. We didn't, I, I overheard him talking to someone else before we actually started dating when we were just hanging out. And heard him express that he wanted to go into international work. And like I already thought he was super attractive and and really smart and kind. He's super sincere. So that just set it for me. I was like, like ding, oh. ding, ding. Yeah. I didn't I my family laughs about it because I didn't tell anyone that I was dating him because I was afraid it would ruin it hmm. or that it wasn't real or something. So um, yeah, I didn't, I told my mom, she was the first one I told after we had gone like on our first date and we'd been hanging out for a couple months and stuff. So yeah. And then from there we just knew. So it. it was always the plan to I go into missions work together. I love it. And what kind of doctor is he? 
he is trained in family medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, he specifically did his re- his residency in Duluth, Minnesota, because they specialize in rural medicine. Okay. And so that's what we use here, where there aren't a lot of resources. Um, he's also trained. Um, he did a fellowship in OB. So he's delivered a lot of babies and done many C-sections, um, so, which is a really, really valuable skill to have here, um, where moms need that immediate assistance if they're having trouble um yeah and there aren't a lot of doctors here who do c-sections so it's a really vital skill to have he teaches it okay so wow yeah yeah Yeah. we just take for granted here i mean we think oh c-sections are so routine and childbirth you know there aren't that many risks you don't hear of that many actual horror stories but i mean it's it's a very traumatic experience for your body and to be in a, a clean hospital with a well-trained doctor, yes. I mean, that is why yeah. we have good birth rates here. Um, but that's yes. just not the case in a lot of parts it's of the not. world. It's And it's not here. I already know so many women who have lost multiple babies. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's a part of life here. Mm. Um, women lose babies often and it is it's I know that that's something that my husband's really had to get used to um just emotionally and spiritually with working in the hospital it's not an easy thing at all Mm -hmm. um but you know they're training more doctors um and doing more uh, prenatal education um to try to change that yeah wow yeah so you have two children. You have your do. daughter and then you have a son. And yes. it was with your son and his birth that you thought perhaps your path would be a little bit changed. Will you tell me about that and then why you decided to continue on the same path that you were on of moving to Africa? Absolutely. Um, so my daughter was born a couple years after we got married. Um, my husband was in medical school at the end of medical school. And then a couple years later, um, I found out on my 30th birthday that I was pregnant with our second. So best birthday present. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, um, that was my 30th birthday. And then the, the following May 24th of 2012, he was born and I had had a beautiful pregnancy. Um, everything went very well and, um, I was pretty excited because, I had wanted to try for a VBAC. I had a C-section with my daughter, um, and my doctor was awesome at letting me try, just um, taking as much time as I wanted, and um, I went pretty fast through everything with my son. By the time I got to the hospital, I was almost eight centimeters, um, wow. and so, it's like, yeah, um, I have a high pain tolerance, I so, um, so. Holy <laughs> which moly. is a good time, I made cupcakes for the nurses, and Stop. we went in, I had a bake <laughs> shop at the time, so it was, it was my stress relief, Okay. Um, <laughs> so we went in, and it was too late for meds, so um, I tried naturally, um, to give birth to him, but I pushed for three hours and he just didn't, he was so comfortable in there. He mm-hmm. just did not want to come out. So we went in for, um, the C-section and, um, the thing is when your husband is a doctor at the hospital where you're giving birth, it's kind of like a big old party in the room. Like, are you a self-conscious <laughs> <I> do... <laughs> type person? 
like no, bad head, like, bad head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm in pain, I make jokes. So okay. I was joking with everybody, and um, yeah, it was kind of it was <laughs> it was a good experience. Um, and that, but when we got in there, um, I knew the doctor who was going to do the C-section. He's a strong Christian. Um, he had trained my husband. Uh, I knew everyone else in the room. Um, and I got to pray over everyone in the room. And I was so full of peace. The whole experience that I was humming songs I had learned at camp, worship songs. And it was just a beautiful experience. It was pretty different from when I had my daughter. Um, but uh, so when... When he was born, my husband announced, um, because we didn't know beforehand if it was a boy or a girl, so he announced, it's a boy, and you know, we got super excited, um, and a moment later, we realized there wasn't any noise. He wasn't crying, um, and so we had previously said that the doctor would bring him right to me so I could see him first and um, have that interaction, but instead, they took him right over to the uh, warming table, and um, when I caught a glimpse of him, he seemed really floppy, um, and I had read something about that previously, um, that that can happen, and he, he wasn't making any noise, but once they got him breathing, um, they did bring him over, and his eyes were closed, and he had a little hat on already, and, and I spoke his name, Samuel Thomas Amani, and um, he, he opened his eyes, and in that moment, um, I knew that our path was going to look different, mm-hmm. um, because I knew immediately that Sam has Down syndrome. And I was the first to recognize it. Um, my husband, I, I whispered to my husband, and he said, I don't, I don't see it. Um, but that was kind of that first parent emotion. Um, and my mom was there. My mom is a nurse, so they let her in the room. Um, and I just, it didn't scare me. It, I felt such peace about it, just that whole thing. And we had already given, we had said, if we had a son, his Swahili middle name would be Amani. And Amani means peace. Mm. And so it just, from the very first moment, we felt like he was, he was living his name. Um, he was just so full of peace. And so I didn't get to see him very long. I, I knew in my heart that the diagnosis was true. Um, but they took him up to the NICU. They had to evaluate him. Um, he, he needed a lot of attention at first. He wasn't doing well when he was born. Um, and they did check him over for the physical signs of Down syndrome. And they, they came back down. Um, my doctor and my husband and my mom, and I could just tell from their, their expressions, um, that I was right. And, um, we felt, we all felt great peace about it. Um, we eventually went back to my room. Um, he, my son couldn't come with me because he had to stay in the NICU. Uh, we actually couldn't touch him for the first 24 hours because it would throw off all his stats and he wasn't breathing well. He couldn't eat on his own for the first week. Um, so he had a tube. He couldn't breathe on his own for the first two weeks. So he had oxygen. Um, so he was in the NICU for two weeks. But that first night, we, my husband and I prayed together. Um, and we just asked God, what does this mean for our family? We were already planning our first trip to Kenya. Mm. Um, 
for the next winter. And, and we just thought, is, does this change everything? And so we prayed about it, and we really felt like God was saying, this is a surprise to you, but it isn't to me. Whoa. And that just <laughs> reassured Whoa. us. Mm-hmm. God knew this, and he called us to Africa. We weren't sure at that time what it might look like. We didn't know what his health was going to be like. Um, but we knew from that first night that God had it all under control um, and that we were still going to go toward Kenya. So yeah. two weeks later, my little boy came home, and um, he's been fairly healthy ever since. Wow. So. And so did you know very much about Down syndrome? Is that where the peace came from? Or was it just you just had such confidence in he's he's part of our family. Like he's he's meant for us, so it's gonna be okay. I really think I think it was a mixture. Okay. Because um actually when I was younger, my I have two brothers and two sisters, and my youngest sister is adopted. And um, when we were going through the process of adoption, my parents were specifically looking at a waiting child in Minnesota who had Down syndrome. Interesting. It didn't work. Um, At that time, we ended up adopting my sister from Columbia. Um, But I instantly knew, no matter what, he's he's accepted in our family. and, and we kind of know what it's about. Looking back, we can see so many ways that God prepared us. Um, I had worked in a special needs classroom during my undergrad and then a little bit during grad school. And I was in grad school when Sam was born. And so it was just shortly before he was born um, that I had been working in a high school classroom with, uh, there was one student with Down syndrome. So I got to know her. I actually wrote my term paper that for that class on Down syndrome. No, you did not. This was a year before my son was born. Yeah, I know. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, and when I met my husband before medical school, he was working as a job coach for uh, an 18-year-old young man who had Down syndrome. So Mm -hmm. he was with him five days a week, working with him, doing his everything with him. Um, And so all these ways, like, God prepared us. Wow. And I I think the fact that your husband was working with somebody that was older who had Down syndrome, part of the fear when a parent has a child with special needs is that, well, what is this going to look like? What what is their potential? What what could their adult life look like? Because that could be very scary, those unknowns, because that's a lot of responsibility to think my child might always live at home. My child might never have a job or go to college. Mm -hmm. But to see a child or an adult succeeding – with yes. limitations, but we kind of all have limitations, right? It all just we kind of do. looks different. We all do. And so, sure, the limitations might be more severe, more pronounced, but look at these thriving people. Yes, And so it exactly. gives you such hope to see that, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. We, that was something that um, during my grieving process after his birth, it, it's, and I, I've told so many parents this, it's, very much okay to go through a grieving process when something doesn't happen the way you thought it would. It's healthy. And so um, I went through my grieving once my son was home. And I just, I spent a few afternoons just crying over him, feeling like I had failed him in some way. Mm. I knew in my head that that wasn't true, but I needed that to connect with my heart. And it did. It just took a little while. Um, So... During that time, I cried out to God and asked 
for just visions of what Sam's future might look like. Wow. And God gave me them um, of doing different things with us in Africa. And I, mm-hmm. I needed that. Um, and it was so reassuring and hopeful and beautiful that I just, I, I saw our future differently after that. Wow. And it's the same future and the same goals and the same hopes, but it's okay for them to look different. So it's yes. the same, but it's different. It's, it's always different. Exactly. Life it, it never, is. ever turns out exactly like <laughs> no. you're never in the white picket fence house. You're never in right. with that dog with this many kids and this birth exactly. order. It's never, but it's always, nope. it's always good. It's always oh, all good. It's so good. If you look for that, if you see, yes. you're going to see whatever you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so thankfully his health has been pretty good overall up to this point. And how old is he now? He just turned five. Um, well, not just, I keep saying just, but he was five (laughs) in May. Um, Trying to keep him little. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he, um, he turned five at the end of May, right before we came. And, um, yeah, he, I'm really, really thankful for those five years that we had in Minnesota because as, as, Dearly as we wanted to get to Kenya, Sam needed that time. Um, he was doing PT, OT. He was doing speech twice a week. He got a year and a half of preschool in um, in a fully included preschool program um, where the kids absolutely embraced him. He loved riding the bus every day. He really got to experience that. Um, And he only started walking last October, so it hasn't been very long. Um, And I think it would have been a real challenge to be here without him walking. Sure. Um, Roads and sidewalks are not what they are in the States. So it's good for him. Yeah. And so during that time of waiting, even though you knew those first five years were going to be critical for him getting the support he needed and the resources and it was important to be in the U.S., was that time of waiting hard for you? Were you anxious to move on to the next step that you were so excited for? Or was it kind of natural? How did that unfold? Some days, um, I really, really just wanted to be here. Mm. I have felt for years like this is our home. This is where my heart is. And um, we, we made our first trip over when Sam was seven months old. So we did take that trip that we were planning. Good for you. Um, we were here for two months, a vision trip, um, to see if this was really the place God was calling us. Uh, my daughter was three and a half, and she absolutely adored being here. Um, it was really good for us to get a taste of what it would be like. And then it kind of focused those those next four and a half years for us. Um, but you know, meeting my husband and having those, looking back now, it was 12 years from the time that we met until we got here. Um, But we never lost sight of it uh, because we talked about it all the time. We surrounded ourselves with people who were interested in the same thing. We attended conferences. um, We taught classes at our church. We were both always doing things to get us ready for for the field. It was a little more focused for my husband since he was in med school and residency and then worked just as hard as residency for four more years so we could pay off med school before we came. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> it was very intense. Sure. Since we got here, we actually have family time. It's it's a new concept for us. It's amazing. <laughs> we eat meals together. And Imagine we that. Don't, I know. We don't only visit Daddy at the hospital. Um, I mean, in his last job, this whole last year before we came, we had beds at the hospital that we would sleep in um, wow. so that we could spend time with him because he would be there for a week or two at a time and wow. not come home. It's just back-to-back shifts. But we knew it was all with a purpose, to sure. pay off medical school and then to we were working really hard to raise support to get here. Um, so all of that um, really kept our focus here. I was able to go to grad school um, I did a two-year Bible program through our church, um, and did other things that just kept moving us in this direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have a lot of friends through that time who said that they wanted to do it, and then life would just take them in a different direction. Um, and so we just, we, we didn't feel like that's what God had for us. Mm-hmm. So we really kept pushing forward. I feel like so what I'm hearing is so much of life is just the perspective. And it didn't sound like you approached it with, uh, okay, we're postponing, we're postponing, we're postponing, and things will be better or great once we get to Kenya. It's kind of like you just kept living and you kept preparing yourself so when the time was right, you were going to actualize that dream. But in the meantime, you didn't stop living because you were waiting for the thing. And I think we can all kind of get caught up in waiting for the thing in order to be happy or to yes. fill in the blank. Yeah, right? it's or like, so yeah, easy to do. That's a really hard, hard thing to do. Um, and especially with a big life shift like that, that had to be really yeah. challenging. But what would you say to somebody that is struggling in that and is struggling in the time of waiting? I would say um, really try to stay present in your life right now. Don't lose sight of the picture of the dream that you're working toward. I love dreaming. And my husband and I do that all the time. We have goals written down in files on our computer of what we want to be doing in life 25 years from now, 15 years from now, 10 years from now. Like we, we dream of the future. But there are things right now that can prepare us for that time in the future. Um, God is always using us where we are. And so we can always be doing something in our present moment. Um, whether it's, you know, really intentionally engaging with other women around us, other moms who are in the same stages, or, or maybe if we have a heart for college students, um, there was a time where I was mentoring college women who were leading small group Bible studies on campus because it's something that I had been through and I knew about and um, that just oh that made beautiful relationships of people that I'm very close to still Um, but always looking for the opportunities right now in life Mm -hmm. um, because God can always grow us in preparation for the for the big dreams that he has that we're waiting for I love that and I love the quote lift from where you stand Right, And so it's not a matter of moving the piano across the room by yourself, but it's just holding the weight and being present and doing what you can from right where you are. Um, Exactly. And it can look like small things that may not seem like it's contributing to that bigger picture, but it could be. 
And so just mm-hmm. kind of always assume that it is. Why not? Yes. Right? It's never going to hurt you. <laughs> I... My whole going to grad school, I had no idea why God wanted me to go to grad school. But now I see wow. how I'm able to use those things. I, I just felt like it was another way to prepare for the mission field. Um, and now I'm able to. Look so it's great. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes we don't see. You know, there are times where it's revealed right. to us not, not far in the future. And it's like, oh, well, that's yeah. why. But there are some things that we just don't understand, and that has to be okay, too, because there will be things yep. that we do understand, and that can give us the hope and the faith and the security that God's watching out for us all the time. Absolutely. And that's, there's proof in that. But then there's also things that don't have the proof yet. But it'll right. it'll all come together. It exactly. will. And it can feel in those moments discouraging when people approach us and say, oh, aren't you doing this yet? Mm. We had so many people say mm. in the last year before we got here, oh, I thought you were there. You're still here? I'm like, oh, it's all because we had to, having to push our date back. One, um, our son had to have ear surgery. And, and, um, and um, so, um, so we, and then my husband's work permit in Kenya hadn't come through. So we had to wait for that. And it was just, oh, it's so, it can be so discouraging, but holding fast to knowing that God has called us to something specific or given us that dream makes it okay for people to ask those questions mm. because we can just hold on to what God has, has put in front of us, um, and, and really be able to have hope in that. Yeah, we're not answering to their vision for our life. No. We're, we're no. answering to God's vision for our life. Exactly. But I forget that sometimes. We all yes. do. But it's good oh, to remember yeah. oh, that. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you live in Africa now. I Some do. Some people might wonder, you land in Africa. What does that look like? What does life look like? Where do you mm. live? What do you eat? Yeah. What are the hospitals like? Just give me a little overview. I've oh. never personally been to Africa, so you're talking to okay. a completely lay person. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, after getting the kids across on the 40-hour journey no that it took us to get here, <laughs> wow! and my daughter did not sleep a wink until we hit the runway in Kenya. 40 hours. She didn't. I don't, she, was, she was so captivated. She just turned eight she was so captivated by having her own little movie screen and her own video games to play on the little movie screen that she could not sleep we had three flights oh one was 13 hours long and she did not sleep so wow after after that whole thing over to get here um we live so nairobi is the capital of kenya um and it's in the southern part of kenya pretty close to uh tanzania we live four to four and a half hours outside of the city so it's pretty rural out where we live um there are not really, they're kind of grocery stores. They're developing more. Um, so like this last weekend, we needed to go do a grocery haul. So we um, called, hired a driver because we don't drive here yet. I am not used to the left hand of the road, side of the road. Um, crazy driving. Um, rules I don't understand. So we hire someone and we drove an hour and a half. Um, to go to the grocery store, which I hadn't been to any kind of store in two months. Wow. So in my previous life in Minnesota, that never would have happened. Right. So, yeah, it's like, oh, Target, quick shop. Right. You know, oh, 
what I wouldn't get for a Target trip I'm right sure, now. I'm sure. I'm sure. To Amazon <laughs> so, Prime something to your door. Right. Oh, my goodness. I have to get really creative no with decorating our house and all of that. Um, so we, um, we live on a compound right at the hospital. So all of our immediate neighbors within, we have a walled area, um, and it's just right down the hill from the hospital. So mm. we get to see my husband until five minutes before he has to be up in the pediatrics ward, amazing. Uh, which is amazing. Um, the only thing with living in a compound surrounded by other North American doctors and their families um, other missionary families, is that right in our compound, there we do have other Kenyans living in our compound who work at the hospital, but we don't have immediate neighbors who are Kenyan, like, outside of, of our compound. Okay. We have to be intentional and go outside of our compound to really meet people okay. um, and to learn to speak the language. Um, because a... English is spoken very widely here, um, but so is Swahili. And then in our area, we also have a tribal language called Kipsikis. So um, I thought we were just going to have to be learning Swahili here. <laughs> but most of the people, especially who come out of the mountains to go to the hospital, um, or all of the people who grew up here, their first language is Kipsikis. Oh. And that's a really difficult language to learn. So we're trying to work with that. Um, otherwise, we live in a house, a regular house. It was built, I don't know, 50 years ago. Um, and we have regular plumbing, electricity most of the time, um, <laughs> <laughs> internet a lot of the time. Uh -huh. um, so that part is really nice. Um, and then we have kids. We have a homeschool co-op. Um, so my, my daughter has, um, let's see, five total in her third grade class. So a few of the moms and I get together every morning and one of us, each of us teaches a subject. Um, and it's really nice. My daughter's wildly social, so she needs to be with other kids. It's, it's great that she can go do that. Um, but all of the families, all of the missionary families here homeschool, um, and so we can all do that together, which is really nice. There's a lot of support in that. Amazing. And then but, what about your son? Yeah, with my son, I teach him at home, mm -hmm. and I love it. I love it. He just started kindergarten this year. So um, we've been doing that for a couple weeks, and every time I ask him if he wants to do school, he gets super excited and yells, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think he really likes the one-on-one -on -one time with me. Mm -hmm. And um, he is doing very well. We're working primarily on his speech right now. Um, so that's a lot of what we do with learning words. He does a lot of signs. Um, but I just love it. I, I get to cater his education to exactly what he needs. And, um, you know, I'd probably be doing it if we lived in the States because I like having that opportunity and teaching is my background. So, um, it's such a treat to another, be able to do that. With yeah. Her. Another way how you were prepared for this yes, life that you're living. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. And so in terms of the hospital, does it look like a hospital yeah. we would see here? Is it clean? Are there tools? Uh, are there medicines? Like what are the resources like? <laughs> um, 
look like a hospital in the States. Um, It's a lot of open air. And so all the hallways are open. Um, People come in the morning and wait all day in line to see a doctor. And um, so anytime we go past the hospital, there is always a line um, of people, mamas, babies tied to their backs, um, old men coming in. The beautiful thing is that everyone who comes to the hospital dresses in their absolute best clothing. Hmm. And that is entirely different from the States. Um, They just... They hold it at such such an honor to have a hospital to go to that they put on their their best suit jacket really? and their best pants their 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 best dress that they have um, to go see the doctors and uh, the one of the enormous differences here is that most people don't go to the hospital until they are incredibly ill. And so um, a lot of times it becomes hard to treat. Um, But we have an incredible team here of doctors. Um, There are North American missionaries who are here teaching. We have doctors from uh, not only North America, from Europe as well. Um, So we have a surgeon from Germany, um, an OB-GYN from Ireland. Um, And we have multiple other family doctors and OBs and surgeons from the States. We also, we have another, um, we have two other families from Minnesota. One is a a brain surgeon and another is um, our friend Eli, who actually we met them in residency and we we planned to come here together. So um, one of my best friends lives just up the hill from us. In (laughs) Kenya. In Kenya, yes. We live closer in Kenya. We see each other far more often than we ever did in Duluth, Minnesota. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. It's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. I can look out my front door and see her house. So it's just amazing. We had prayed for years that God would put another family with us um, because there is, we call each other our, our tribe because we know our lives, our boys, um, their oldest, and then my Sam are only two weeks apart. Hmm. So we were there for, you know, the first day of life for, for our children and uh, they're back in Duluth. And uh, now we get to live life here. We've known them for years and, and it's like a piece of home here. It's helped us tremendously as we've settled in. Um, so, so Eli works at the hospital as well. Awesome. Um, and then there is also a, a large number of doctors, nurses, um, they have different titles here, um, clinical officers, um, medical officers, but they are all Kenyan, and um, my husband is a part of training the family medicine um, students, and we also have visiting medical students from other places. So this is very much a training mission hospital. Um, and I love the, the um, logo on the front of the hospital sign. It says Tenwick Hospital. And then in great big yellow, it says, we treat Jesus heals. And I, I just love it. So every person who comes through that door knows that, that we are praying for them and that they are going to get the best treatment possible. Tanwick Hospital is, is pretty well known here in, Ken, in Kenya. Okay. Um, 
and we have a lot of resources. So um, we even have a CT scanner, which is incredible for East Africa. Um, Sounds pretty advanced, yeah. <laughs> it's very advanced. Um, and I, I did get kind of an inside look at the hospital a few weeks ago when I got really sick. Um, and I was admitted to the hospital. And um, I needed that CT scanner in the middle of the night when they were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and so I have seen that CT scanner from a patient perspective. And I was just so incredibly thankful that that it is there and that there's such an incredible team of doctors here. Uh, but they work tirelessly to bring the best medical care um, to, to people here in Kenya. So there are about 300 beds in the hospital, um, but it serves over a million people. So people come from all surrounding places um, to get advanced medical treatment here. Um, wow. It's incredible. Yeah. That yeah. Incredible. So a lot of open air resources um, are not what they are in the States. It's just harder to get things here. Mm -hmm. Um but like I said, we have a CT scanner, yeah. and um, yeah, when it when it's used, the power kind of goes dim for a second, and <laughs> comes back up. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just um, the medical system is a little bit different. So right. you pay for all of your services before you get it. So my husband had to be going, running to the the payment office before I got my CT, wow. before I got my ultrasound, before I was admitted. Um, all of that. So, um, yeah, so everything is paid up front. Um, also you're not allowed to leave the hospital until, until your bill has been paid. Um, and so family, extended family, neighbors, everyone will pool their money. Um, and really, I mean, there's such a sense of community here. Um, people are so close. Families are close with other families, with their neighbors. Um, so they all come together to help uh, pay for medical bills and um, also to come into the hospital and help care for their loved ones who are in the hospital. Um, what a great so, example. Yes, a, it, wow. It really is. Um, it's something that I've really been learning here, how to be so open and welcoming and, you know, in Minnesota, we're known as Minnesota Nice. Right. And... <laughs> and I think that's very true. However, I feel like it's not, it's, it's nothing compared to the They're hospitality. They're not as nice as Kenya, yeah. <laughs> and the warmth that is shown here. When you first greet someone here, um, you greet everyone in the group with a handshake, um, a hug from side to side on the cheeks, and, and you ask them, always ask them about their family, um, their children, before any business is brought up. Hmm. That's something I had to learn because when I ask somebody a question, I, I'm like, okay, so what do you need? What do you need? What? What are, you, what are we doing right now? And instead it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Calm Slow down. Slow it down. Ask yeah. about their family. Ask about you know, their children, how their children are doing in school, um, get all of that because relationship is just incredibly important here. Wow. So Amazing. that's something I'm always growing in here. That is great. And that's something that you don't have to live in Kenya to implement. So it's great to hear no. from you, like how powerful that is and to kind of yeah. implement that even in a small way in your own life, regardless of where you mm -hmm. live. That's huge. Yeah. And so obviously you're very passionate about the special needs community and very yes. sadly in a lot of the world, 
the special needs resources and understanding and compassion is just not there. I mean, is it That's is it true. Denmark that is trying to to eliminate Down syndrome? I've been reading an article. I mean, yeah, just... um, multiple European countries, oh. and and um, Australia as well. So trying to totally eliminate it. And you have this child and you've encountered so many other children in the community, as have I, where it's like, you wouldn't give these children a life? What? Like, it just sounds absurd. But it's just, I don't know if they're, if people are just being misinformed and they don't know their options and they don't know these children's potential, they don't know better. And so you are doing amazing work to kind of change that conversation. So even in Africa where you are, there's some issues with that, right? So what are you trying to do to change that conversation and what kind of work are you doing there? Well, it's something that we had no idea we would be a part of until our son was born. Mm. And God has totally opened up this whole new world to us. So in the last five years, I've learned what it's like to be the mother of a child with special needs and the struggles and the incredible joys that come with that, Um, the the loneliness that can be felt um, and the thoughts that other people bring that don't always match up with ours. Um, So here in Kenya and a lot of Africa, children with any kind of difference at all are often viewed as a curse. The parents did something wrong um, to bring this on themselves. Someone in their family messed up, and so now this child has been born differently. Hmm. And so because this is a very shame-based culture, they, those children are literally hidden away in their homes. They don't come out to go to school. They don't come out to go to church, to the doctor, to play with neighbors. A lot of times, neighbors don't even know these children exist. Um, They might have an idea of maybe there's a child with special needs in the home, but they literally sit in the corner of a mother's kitchen on a mat and never leave. Of course, that means they don't learn to talk. They don't learn to walk. They don't learn to socially interact. And so... What what the special needs clinic here at Tenwick Hospital is working to do is to get education out into the communities, to these families who have children with special needs, saying these children are a gift from God. They are not something to be hidden. It's okay to bring them out, and we'll help you get resources to help those children. So every Friday morning here, um, there's a special needs clinic held in the orthopedics ward. And that was started by a physical therapist um, from Kenya whose name is Solomon. And this was his dream for years. And he finally got it up and started a year ago. And um, we were here to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the clinic. And at that anniversary, mothers traveled on the back of motorcycles, um, in the backs of packed cars, uh, and they or they walked incredible distances. We had more than seventy mothers, um, and and just as many children um, at that celebration. And these mothers were making such an incredible statement by even being at this celebration, saying, "I have a child with special needs, and I am willing to carry that child in a blanket on my back." 
for whatever distance I need to, to go show these other mothers that, that I value my child, that my child is worth living, worth being outside of the home, worth coming to the hospital on, on Friday mornings for, um, for just uh, physical therapy, to learn how to walk, to learn how to eat. Um, mothers are trained in how they can be working with their children at home. They're given little packs of hand-sewn cloth diapers um, because diapers are very difficult to come by here. They, they cost money, and families do not have money. That's one thing here that, that I'm just constantly learning is – the lack of resources for for a child to get a walker or appropriate diapers or a wheelchair, it it's just incredible for them, and it's absolutely life changing. If a child can start to um, be mobile and get around on their own, not relying on their mother or their siblings or crawling along the floor, that can totally change their life. Mm-hmm. So we visited a school. Um, a couple months ago on a community visit and we were able to deliver a walker to a little girl who was five named Faith and uh, and it was just a year before that my Sam was at school using a walker trying to walk and so to see Faith take her first steps was it was incredible Um, it was just it's it's what God has put on my heart to be a part of here. Um, and he has just opened these doors for us to be able to be a part of this ministry, um, to share the love of Jesus through educating mothers saying, Jesus sees your child. He sees you. You are not alone. You are not a source of shame, but these children are loved. And, um, for a lot of these moms, they have never heard that message. And, um, so to, yeah. to have the opportunity to be a part of that, that is something that I find worth dedicating my life to. That's what I want to do here. You got so. me all teary, Angela. Stop. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> Usually I only do audio. I don't do video. So you can like see me like bawling my eyes out over here. This is like super embarrassing. No. What, oh. what I'm loving hearing so much is that this became part of your life's work five years ago. And your vision was always working internationally and serving in that capacity. Um, But had Sam not been born into your family, sure, you would have contributed in other ways. And it would have been just as important and meaningful. And you could have been used in those ways as well. Mm -hmm. But what a divine testament that your family was orchestrated so perfectly to put you in this position to serve in this other way that has the potential to change families and hearts and minds and cultures. I mean, it's just, it just gives you goosebumps. Like this is, this is something. (laughs) Angela. I never could have planned this. I never could have. This is totally God orchestrating this. Wow. Incredible. And and to go into the community with our son, it's been amazing to watch people respond to him and in just total surprise Right. They ask me so many questions, like, so does he talk, and, and what are his other siblings like, um, and, you know, when when did he learn to walk, what can he do, um, and just to start those conversations has been incredible. 
Oh, we could talk forever about educating <laughs> adults and children on how to deal with people with differences. And I would love to have you yeah. back on to speak specifically on that because I've had a lot of really valuable conversations with mothers who, um, I think some that we have in common that, yes. um, are really trying to educate people on not just looking at somebody with a difference and not having their children just stare at somebody who is smaller in stature or who has different mm-hmm. facial features or speaks differently, but to ask questions with sincerity and, yes. then, and then to move on based on commonalities as well and to befriend them exactly. and to treat them just like any other friend, but based upon each, each of your circumstances. Um, yes. And so I'd love to have you back on to speak more specifically about that because I think we have a long way to go in being just educated about what to tell our children. And yes. But it starts with what we model. So if we're, the, so if we're staring does. at a child or an adult who's acting or looking a certain way, that's mm-hmm. what our kids are going to do because they don't know what to do. We're, we're educating no. them. And so yes. it's a really important conversation to have. Oh, we could just keep going forever and ever, Angela, (laughs) but I do do want to wrap up, but my heart has just been so filled, and I feel like there's just so many needs right now. I'm sure you've heard about the devastation in our country with the natural disasters lately, and it's just... Yes, I have. It's devastating, and one of my friends, um, Jessica, she's been working hard to get medical resources to families whose children are really at a loss because they lost wheelchairs, they lost feeding tubes, they lost, you know, like all those types of things that it's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to be without your car. Yes, it's hard to be without food, you know, those things, but to be without your feeding tube or... Oh, vital. Vital. Even your inhaler can be life-saving. So, um... You know, there's just so many needs, but to see people taking action both in our own country and then you stepping outside your comfort zone and serving a population that needs education and support and just love and perspective. Like you're doing it, Angela. And <laughs> you know, I and I know that you are so humble in in believing you're just doing what God wants of you, but like you said yes. You know, we all we all kind of have something on our heart and sometimes it feels uncomfortable and we back away. Um, but to say yes and step into that, I have so much admiration and I'm just so inspired by you to say yes in my own life to whatever it is that I'm called to do every day. So thank you for being that and example. Absolutely. That's the best that we can do yeah. in, in our lives is just to keep saying yes to whatever God has in front of us. I love that. You are amazing. So where can people follow you online? I know they're going to want to follow along with this journey. <laughs> Um, I am pretty active on Instagram, um, and my account is The Mango Memoirs, and then I also write a blog under the same name, themangomemoirs.com. Um, I feel like God has given us this, this adventure, this story to share, and so I've been writing on that blog for years about just the whole journey of getting here. Um, so those are the two places that I'm most active awesome. when I have an internet connection. <laughs> And you don't take that for granted anymore, do you? No, I oh, do not. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> well, people can look forward to having you back on the show because I know that there's way oh. more that we can cover, and I've just been so filled today. I I always ask my guests one final question, Angela, and it's yes. this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell my pre-motherhood self that it's okay to fully embrace being a wife and a mom. It took me a bunch of years to figure that out, but I'm, I'm so happy now. I wish I could go back and tell myself that. 
Wow. Yeah, and there's a season for everything, isn't there? And so it's still your priority, even though you're doing these other things as well. It is, it is, they were the catalyst for all of this. Yes. Yes. So I think that's really powerful. I love it. Angela, thank you for taking the time. What time is it in Kenya right now? Oh, let's see. Well, I put my kids to bed before this. Okay. Um, It's almost 8.15. P.M. Okay, it's 10. And it's Wednesday, so I'm about to go have date night with my husband. Oh, so what does date night, (laughs) what does date night look like in Kenya? Well, we've had to get really creative here because we can't drive anywhere after dark. (laughs) Um, So... We either watch a show together, or I found so many great ideas on Pinterest, chocolate tasting, um, uh, YouTube karaoke. There you go. So, there you go. Anything we can think of. Twister. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Date well, night. <laughs> date night. Will you enjoy your date night? Thank you for taking the Thank time. You. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you you're so making a difference. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, wow. <laughs> You know when you talk to somebody and you're just so blown away? Um, I just don't really have even the words right now. Angela just astounds me. And I love talking to people that are doing such amazing, incredible things. And I can walk away feeling so uplifted myself versus feeling like, look at all she's doing and I'm not doing enough and I should be doing more. That is not at all how I felt after this conversation with Angela, and I hope you feel the same. I hope that we can all just really feel like it's our job to lift from where we stand, answering our own calls in our own lives, doing the things that are most important to us, using our time and our talents and what we've been gifted with and what we feel really called to do. Um, Gosh, what an amazing story. You will hear again from Angela for sure. I'm just blown away. So if you want to find her, pictures of her family, links to anything that we talked about, how to follow her blog, social media, things, it's on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at JessicaDalkwas3 or on Facebook at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast. I haven't been as good about updating that. Sorry, guys. I'll work on that. Um, but gosh, what a great day. This has been this has been such a joy for me, and I hope that you've gotten a lot out of it as well. On Friday, we have our Mom of the Month episode, so make sure that you have nominated an Extraordinary Mom that you know, and the winner will be um, interviewed for Friday's episode. You can win a Prep Dish subscription, you and the winner, so. There you go. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.